what are we doing now? I guess we talk. It's Manson Mitchell on the weekend with Gary Manson's Suzanne Mitchell. A double shot of good conversation with great guests to power up your day. Manson Mitchell, you're on the air. Thank you, Eric Kramer. Happy Saturday to you, wherever you may be. This is Gary Mance. I'm Suzanne Mitchell. Together, Manson Mitchell in your ears for the hour. And we are happy once again to be working with Nathan Miller, who could have taken the whole weekend off to celebrate himself. But no, he's here working with us in the salt mines of talk radio. He's the birthday boy. This is his birthday birthday, weekend. Good morning, Gary and Suzanne. And it's been a decade since I last spoke with you, it seems like. (laughs) (laughs) We'll let you explain that as much or as little as you wish, Nathan. Well, I'm in a whole new decade now going on into the big three zero, believe it or not. Oh, my goodness. When I look at you or I see a picture of you, I see a guy in his mid-20s, and I'm talking about very recent pictures. So, I mean, whatever it is, whatever your secret is, you ought to bottle it and sell it. You'll be a rich man. (laughs) I think I'm just well-watered living in Seattle. That's all I can explain. Are you happy to be 30? Uh, Yeah, I mean, it feels good so far. All right. All got right. celebrated well, with a sort of a gift by hitting my first over the fence home run in my softball team. And it, unfortunately, they counted it as an out because somebody already did it. That's a lot of details to explain. But hey, I enjoyed the moment and hey, felt good to hit it over the fence. I'll bet. I'll bet that that would be quite the slug. Yeah. I can, re- <laughs> I can remember when slugger. I turned when I, when I turned 30, I was really happy to turn 30. Because I before then I felt like I was a kid. I was a child. When mm-hmm. I hit 30, I thought, okay, now I'm a woman. <laughs> that is kind it, of like it, that prime, like 30 to 40, that prime yeah, in adulthood stage. And then absolutely. everything after that, and it's like, oh no, I'm starting to get old. <laughs> I know. Then it all goes downhill. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> but I'm really tall, so you know, every once in a while it's like, yeah. All that bending over, you can feel it a little bit, but taking good care of myself. Yeah. Yeah. People don't know how tall you are, but when they <laughs> see you, how far up do they have to look? You're going to have to look up to about five foot 18, which translates five to six foot, foot 18. six. <laughs> <laughs> well, good. And a belated happy birthday to you. I'm Thank glad you you're enjoying much. your weekend. And congratulations on the home run. Thank you. Debatable yeah. home run. <laughs> Debatable home run. All right. Well, I'm... speaking of sweet and kind and wonderful and delightful, we are talking with Josie Varga today, who started with us in 2011, and this is her 16th visit. She's a sweet 16 today. 16 visits. She is inching ever closer to the coveted 20 visit club. Oh, then there's a huge party. That's right. Big, big, big blowout. And valuable prizes. <laughs> But for the meantime, how about a short bio and we'll get started in a conversation that is centered on the afterlife. And we've got some eerie tales to tell as well. But for the moment, Josie Varga is the best-selling author of Visits from Heaven, the author of several books, a former magazine editor and communications consultant. Her life changed course when she received a validated dream message from a man who died in the September 11th attacks on the World Trade Center. 
Forever transformed by her experience, she embarked on a spiritual journey as she vowed to help others understand that life truly never ends and love never dies. Life, she says, is eternal, and so are we. Welcome once again, our friend Josie Vargas. So happy to talk to you again, my dear. Hello. I'm so happy to be here. And oh, I wish I was 16 again. <laughs> you do? What would you do differently, Josie, if you were 16 today? Um, Not worry so much and enjoy life, you know, every moment. You know, mm. I, I realize that... Um, Maybe I worried about things I shouldn't worry about. You know, mm -hmm. when you're when you're young and you think everything is a big deal and then you get older and you're like, oh, that wasn't such a big deal, you know? So yeah. I, I think I would um, worry less, maybe take things a little less serious. Oh, very good. Very good. I can remember being delighted turning uh, 16 because I got to drive by myself. I had, oh, my, yeah. I had my learner's permit at 15 and at 16, I went and took my driving test, passed it. And, and then I was able to get in the car by myself and drive. I was pretty tickled about that. Well, in New Jersey, it's the other, you have to wait till you're 17 to drive 16. Oh. Yeah. 16, you get your permit. Uh -huh. I remember my 16th birthday vividly because my brother got married two days oh. after yeah, two oh days gosh. after my, so my mother didn't have anything for me, no big sweet sixteen or anything. We were focused on my brother's wedding, and I, mm. uh, you know, I was a little upset by that. And um, the day of the wedding, the band played "Happy Birthday" and they came out with a birthday cake with sparkles on it and everything. So that's how I celebrated my sweet sixteen at my brother's wedding. <laughs> very nice, very nice. All right. Josie, we talked about getting together today. It's Halloween month. And I said, well, we want some spooky stories, you know, but how about the kind that uplift people? We want people to take encouragement from the notion, if, if not the theory, if not the hypothesis, and certainly a theological dictum in many circles, that whatever it is that constitutes the real us, the real you, the real me, the real Suzanne, the real Nathan, the real anybody listening, that we are more than these bodies. We're more than units of behavior occupying the biosphere, that there is a spiritual dimension to life and that that spirituality is itself eternal. We are subject to age and decay, disease, etc. However, there is something within us that remains eternal and is indestructible. I think that forms a lot of the basis of your work, if I may say. Absolutely. Absolutely. We we are eternal. And yes, you and I did talk about this month and it being Halloween and everything. Um, so I, I wanted to share uh, a story uh, about a ghost that I experienced in my own home. And And by the way, about 86% of Americans experience some form of paranormal activity in their own home. So I'm not, I'm not alone, but it's, it's, it's something that I will never forget. And thankfully it hasn't happened again. <laughs> but when my daughter was about six years old, but my daughter Leah, my youngest, she kept running into my bedroom, you know, and she would cry and want to sleep with her father and I. 
And then we didn't, really didn't think anything of it. I mean, she's six years old, and, you know, I just thought it was her imagination. And she would say that somebody was in her room. She would say the blinds were moving and things like that. Well, it got to the point where I, I started to wonder, maybe there's something more to this because it went on for over a month, okay? And I'm thinking, well, maybe this isn't her imagination. And one day I'm on the phone with a gentleman named Anthony Kinata, who is a psychic medium. And I uh, we were just talking, you know, and all of a sudden he says to me, uh, Josie, how come you never told me that Leah has been complaining about a ghost in her room? And I'm like, what? Now, well, first of all, I never said anything to him. So how he knew this, I was totally shocked. And he told me that he sensed that Leah had been complaining about a ghost in her room. And I was like, uh, well, yes, that's true. And he told me to hang on. And I'm, I'm wondering, why am I hanging on? And all of a sudden, he comes back on the phone and he says, do you want to know her name? And I'm thinking, do I, do I want to know her name? What is he talking about? And he interrupts my thoughts and he says to me, Josie, you do have a ghost in your home. She used to sleep in Erica's room. Um, I'm picking up the name Amanda or something that sounds like Amanda. Uh, and then he starts literally describing my house. Okay. He was in Colorado. I'm in New Jersey. At the time, he had never been to my home. So he's, he says, who has the pink room? The pink room. Leah's room was pink. Who has the purple room? The purple room. Erica's room. My oldest daughter had the purple room. Uh, oh, you have a yard with a white fence in it. Oh, you have a linen, you know, a linen closet, all these things. And I'm thinking to myself, oh, my God. So I said, Anthony, I said, how do you know that? And he says to me, oh, well, she's showing me. And at this point, I'm standing in the living room, and I'm literally shaking. The phone's pressed to my ear. And he goes on. He says to me, oh, by the way, um, you have a clock in your house stuck between 845 and 1045? And I'm like, no, I don't. And he said, yes, you do. He said, do you have a clock stuck between 845 and 1045? She's showing me. She says that. She's very fond of Leah. She goes from Erica's room to Leah's room. And, oh, Leah coughs a lot at night, and she watches over her. Well, guys, I just about, you know, fainted at that point because Leah used to suffer from frequent sinus infections. And, yes, she would cough a lot at night, and I would often prop her an extra pillow under her head. And so I'm on the phone, I'm listening to him, I'm like, Oh my God. Like, how did he notice, you know? So he knows that I'm Roman Catholic. And he said to me, um, Josie, did you have any holy water? And I said, yeah. He said, well, go get the holy water. So I right, I go get the holy water. He said, I want you to sprinkle the holy water in Leah's room and Erica's room as we pray. None of this made any sense to me, but I wanted this ghost out of my home, so I did what I was told. And after about 10 minutes, he said, okay, Josie, she's no longer in your home. And I'm like, what? He said, yeah, she's in the backyard. He goes, I'm going to guide her to the light. And I'm, honestly, I was thinking, oh, yeah, right. 
So a psychic medium is able to guide a ghost out of my house over the phone. Like, come on, really? You know? Well, of course, the two tests would come when Leah went to sleep that night. And from that day forward, Leah stopped complaining totally. Stop complaining totally. Remember the clock that was stuck between 8.45 and 10.45? Well, right. the following week, I'm cleaning, and I have, like, the secretary in my living room, and I reach in the back to get something, and all of a sudden, my eye catches a crack that belonged to my mother and father, and oh, my God, yes, it was stuck between 8.45 and 10.45. I could not believe it, okay? I still have that crack. And I haven't put batteries in it since, so it's still t- stuck between 8.45 and uh, 10.45. And then I went to the food store, and I ran into a neighbor of mine who lived on the block her entire life. Anthony said that he was picking up the name Amanda or something that sounded like Amanda. So I saw her, and I thought, well, she'd be a good person to ask. And I asked her, I said, by the way, do you know if there was an Amanda that ever lived in my home? And she looked at me and she said, "Hmm, no, not an Amanda. But I do think there was an Andrea that lived in your house when it was first built. So that's my ghost story. Um, And thankfully, it hasn't happened since. And, you know, and interestingly, I, I didn't believe Leah also because I didn't sense anything in the house you know it wasn't like I sensed a, a, a ghost in her room my my husband didn't my other daughter didn't so I don't know why Leah was able to pick her up and we weren't but Leah is very sensitive Leah is still very intuitive she does pick up things so maybe that's why that is a great story Josie, one of the things I was wondering is you said Leah was just six. I know she's older than six now. Mm -hmm. And I was wondering if this happened before or after you had a dream visitation about a man who died in the World Trade Center on 9-11. Gary had mentioned that in your introduction. Did this thing occur in your home before or after that time? After. 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 So yeah. you had a, you had a dream visitation experience, which just was mind boggling to you completely. And mm-hmm. then you have a ghost in your house. Yes. Uh, so it wasn't, and, you know, it wasn't like I didn't believe. And yes, I, I had that experience. Leah was um, a few months old. Okay. She was born in July. No, she was less than that. She was born in July. I had the experience in August. So she was just born. Um, and I, I had the dream where I saw my husband's friend who died in the World Trade Center attacks of 9-11 and um, felt myself going down this long hallway to make a, a long story short. And I come to this door on the end. I walk in. I see dusk and windows everywhere. And... All of a sudden, I look up and I see my husband's friend, Rich. And, you know, what's amazing to me, what, what continues to be amazing to me, is the fact that I never met him, only saw pictures of him, yet I knew it was him. And he looked at me and he said, Josie, thank you for mentioning me in your book, uh, which he was referring to my book, Footprints in the Sand. I mentioned him in the epilogue of a book. He, he talked about the importance of life. 
He wrote about the death of his own father. So I, at the last minute, I included that in my book. That's what he meant when he said, thank you for mentioning me in your book. And then he looked at me and he said, um, Josie, he said, oh, oh, in response, by the way, I can't forget this part. In response to that, I said to him, Rich, you have to prove to me that this is really you. I, I think that's key here, you know, because what am I doing now? You know, I'm looking for proof, <laughs> you know, but I, but I said to him, you have to prove to me that this is really you. And with that, he had this like smirk on his face. He walked up to a desk with child, like a, it looked like a Motorola flip phone, picked it up, opened it, showed me the phone, which had a, a picture of him and his wife and his son. And he said, Boston is okay. Now, this was all telepathic communication. This is all mind-to-mind communication, no words. And then he shows me the phone. He says, Boston is okay. And I I knew immediately that this was a message I needed to get to his wife. But I didn't understand why. You know, I, I didn't have any idea at the time what that meant. And the next thing I know, I kind of was going through a window. And I'm out on what looks like the street. And I know this doesn't make sense. But this is the way I perceived it in the dream. When I looked out, it looked like. He was standing with his wife and son in the back of a pickup truck. Why? I don't know. Um, But I looked at him and he kind of put his hands forward and like, okay, Josie, go ahead, give her the message and pushes me forward. I wake up in a sitting position, panting and out of breath, feeling like something hit me in my chest. And at that point, was I scared? Yes. I jumped out of bed. I went to check on the kids. Then I called my husband. I told him, I said, you have to tell Richard's wife that Boston is okay. And didn't surprise me that he thought I was off my rocker and, you know, you're crazy and I'm not doing this. Uh, but we compromised. And I wrote an email to John about what happened. He forwarded the email to Richard's sister-in-law. They both work in financial services. They knew one another. And... You know, uh, he he basically said to her, this is what happened. This is what my wife had a dream about. If you think it's appropriate, forward it to Karen, which is Rich's wife. And he told me that night when he got home, guys, he said, you know, as soon as I hit send, I regretted it. I was wondering if there was some way I could get the tech guys to, <laughs> to retract that email. But there wasn't, of course. And me, I felt great because I knew I did what I was supposed to do. And a couple of weeks later, we're on vacation. He hadn't heard from, we hadn't heard back. We're on vacation. He gets a message on his BlackBerry. And basically, Richard's sister-in-law says, well, I don't know how, you know, your wife knew this or what's going on, but we have a brother in Boston. My sister is considering selling her home and moving to Boston, but she feels guilty. You know, she put she purchased the house before Rich died. So when when John first read it, we both didn't get it. We were like, "What?" And then he reads it again, and we both were like, <gasps> "And then it made perfect sense." Now I understood what he meant when he said Boston is okay. It was okay for his wife to move to Boston. So what does that mean? That means that somebody who is deceased, somebody I never even met contacted me with a message for his wife 
that was not validated. You know, it, it shook me to the core and it started me on, you know, doing my research. It changed my life. It absolutely changed my life. So that's, that's how it all started for me. And and, yeah. And, And that's why I was asking you about the sequence of events because it's kind of like a chicken egg question, which came first, the chicken or the egg. (laughs) So you were open-minded enough when Leah said, there's a ghost in my room, because you had had your own dream experience of something quite metaphysical, beyond the physical. And and you, because you had that experience, then when Leah said, there's a ghost in my room, you might have been quite surprised at what the medium came up with and you kept questioning the medium. What do you mean? How do you know what my house looks like? You know, how do you know the colors of the room? Yeah. But at the same time, it's like you you had at least those two experiences, which I'm going to say, you know, is not only what led you on this path of looking into the afterlife and afterlife communications, but also opened up your own thinking about what is possible. And, you know, and, and it's uh, during this period of time, you had to really acknowledge that life is eternal and goes on. Absolutely. You know, the thing is, Suzanne, I didn't, it's not like I, you know, I didn't believe in the afterlife or anything. But I, when, when Leah was having these experiences, in my mind, she was just a six-year-old child imagining things, you know? Um, and I, so I don't, I don't know why I didn't experience that ghost. You know, I, I you know, it's, it's interesting. When Leah was, I would say, maybe two, I was giving her a bath, okay? And I'm giving her a bath, and all of a sudden... She looks at me and she says, mommy. And she's pointing and she goes, who that? And I went, what? And she said, who that? And I, I turned around. I said, I said, Leah, who, who's what? And she said, that lady. So even at that young age, Leah saw someone. Was that figure the same ghost that was later in her room? I don't know. But I explicitly remember Leah at a very young age mentioning that there was a, a ghost behind me at one point. But again, I didn't see it. I didn't sense it. It's interesting. It, well, it's interesting in one aspect because you're wondering about your own ability to see into um, another dimension, to see the ghosts. But mm-hmm. We have talked to so many people, Josie, who have said to us that young children have that capability until we get them out of that, until we acculturate them and say, oh, that's not real. Those are fake friends. You know, that's your imagination. But young children really do see into the spirit world much more easily than adults. That's that's true. I mean, it's because they're still very young. They're still connected to the spirit side much more than yes. we are. We, yes. Yeah, we kind of, as we get older, not that we grow out of it, but in, in some ways we forget, you know? I um, 
that's why it's, I, I think it's very important, like not only my books, but all the books out there that talk about the afterlife in heaven. I think it's, it's very important that we know about these things. And you use the perfect word. It was, it was right there in my conscious forebrain. And you said acculturate. We, we are acculturated out of yes. a belief in that which does not conform to a post enlightenment world where rationality and empiricism rule and anything unlike that is by and large discarded particularly in the scientific community though not entirely maybe we can talk about that on the other side of a break josie varga is our honor guest of the hour always great to talk to josie and we're keying into the afterlife and if you have josie varga on sooner or later you're going to get around to talking about the afterlife anyway which we're always happy <laughs> to do and uh, if we're swapping stories here, I have one I'll mention, and I think Suzanne has one on the other side of the break, in honor of the fact that this is Halloween month. And so, uh, yes, the, the stories can be spooky, but ultimately we hope that they will be taken as spiritual signposts and as encouragement. We all need some encouragement. We are Manson Mitchell. You are tuned in. We're as grateful as can be for that. To have your time and attention, we're honored. Stick with us. A couple of minutes, we'll be back. Hi, everybody. This is Anson Williams from Happy Days, and I'm so excited to tell you about American Road. It is the best car travel magazine in the world. They have the most fantastic adventures detailed in each magazine with all your itinerary. We could just jump in the car with your family and have the most fabulous adventures you've ever had in your life. Please get a copy of American Road and start your own adventure. Staying connected with Gary Mance and Suzanne Mitchell is easy. Just go to manceandmitchell.com for the latest info on topics and guests. Friend Gary Mance and Suzanne Mitchell on their Facebook pages and like the Mance and Mitchell show page at facebook.com slash manceandmitchell. If you're on Twitter, share a follow with Gary and Suzanne at Mance Mitchell. Join Gary and Suzanne Friday and Saturday mornings at 10 a.m. for an unusual show that covers everything from personal growth to the paranormal. Here's an amazing act. Here's a tremendous act. Here's a startling act. The amazing, the thrilling, the greatest, spectacular, incredible, exciting, wonderful, world fame, most unusual novelty act. The home of the A-Team of Alternative Talk is ManceAndMitchell.com. Heard right here on Alternative Talk 1150 AM or streaming live from your computer anywhere. Terry Loving wants to help you with your online marketing challenges right now. She has several courses she is giving away to help you get your business working for you online. Yes, giving away. WordPress websites are her specialty, yet her technical skills go way beyond that. Check out her blog at terryloving.com or email her directly at terry at terryloving.com. That's terry at terryloving.com. On Friday, Manson Mitchell welcomed Dr. Adrian Finkelstein, who has something to say about superstitions like Friday the 13th, and even more to say about the importance of doing our inner work. On Saturday, Karen Dahlman joins us for an hour of metaphysical Q&A. One question is, how do you find a dependable source of guidance in your life? Bringing you mastery and mystery since 2007. We are Manson Mitchell, Friday and Saturday mornings at 10 on Alternative Talk AM 1150. Want to hear something different from talk radio? Keep your dial on Alternative Talk 1150. Welcome back to Manson Mitchell and our very special guest this hour, Josie Varga, who is now with us for the 16th time. 
time. And we only bring people on that often when we absolutely adore them and they have very interesting things to say. And Josie happens to be one of those folks who we've known since 2011. And she always has very interesting things to say about afterlife communications. Josie, if people would like to get your books or find out what you're doing, what are the best places, social media, anything that you would like to share with our listeners today? Well, they can go on to my website, which is www.josievarga.com. And I also want to mention that I have a few groups on Facebook that people can join. I started these groups because I want people to understand that they are not alone. Um, It is really amazing. A lot of people share their experiences on my groups, but I do get a lot of private messages saying, oh, you know, I... um." I don't want to share this on the group, but here's what happened. So I, I one is called Visits from Heaven, which is a private group. Another one is Visits from Heaven 2, um, I mean, which is a public group. Visits from Heaven 2 is a private group, and then Proof of the Afterlife. So um, those are the best ways to contact me. And if they email me, I do my best to get back to everyone. I appreciate Excellent. all the support. Yeah. Start at josievarga.com and go from there. And, and and try Facebook as well. One of the things that you had said in the first half hour was that 86% of all of the reported cases happen in the home of spirit communications. Did A I lot of people, right? 86% of people, uh, Americans, experience some form of paranormal activity in their home, yes. Well, I, I had a story to tell as well. And it is about uh, a ghost uh, in, in our house in Glenview, mm-hmm. Illinois. And it was at a time when my parents had uh, separated and um, were, were going through a divorce. And one night it was reported by my mother that her grandfather was there, her grandpa Henry which would make him my great-grandfather. And she said, Grandpa Henry's here, and he's watching out for us. I thought that it was a platitude. I thought it was a nice thing for her to say to calm down the children, uh, brother and sister and I, who were you know, quite upset about the fact that my father wasn't there and we were feeling very vulnerable during this period of separation and divorce. Next thing I know, my sister says she sees great grandpa Henry there. And for me, I don't want to see great grandpa Henry because <laughs> I th- think I will completely freak out. So I'm hiding under the covers, pillow over my head. I don't want to see any ghosts. Next thing I know, my brother says he sees great grandpa Henry. And now I'm thinking, are they delusional? Are they making it up or is it real? And I'm thinking this is just to keep us calm that it isn't really a ghost. Well, my sister was dating in high school an artist, a very good artist. And he had decided he was going to come and visit late at night. He had some kind of communication. He didn't call. He came to the house and he tried all the doors. And he found an open door, came through the sliding glass door. He was just going to run up the stairs, 
and, and, and go to her bedroom on the second floor. And at the bottom of the stairs, he looked up and he saw a spirit with its hand out as if to say, stop. Wow. He, he looked at this spirit and he turned right around and he <laughs> left and closed the door behind him. So and he did. He, he went home and he drew what he saw. And when he brought it over the next day, it was great grandpa Henry. Wow. You just gave me goosebumps. Oh. <laughs> that wow. is my ghost story. And I never saw him, but the rest of my family saw great grandpa Henry. And then I did decide he really was there to protect us and make us that's very, yeah, that's feel very less comforting. afraid. Yes. Yeah, it was comforting. comforting. He didn't yeah. let my sister's boyfriend come upstairs. You know, you know, like everywhere I go, no matter where I go, I, I get stories. Okay. And yeah. recent, recently, my cousin's husband's mother died. And I went over to visit him. And we're sitting at the table. And he says to me, uh, you know, he, he wasn't able to, I did an event with the ghost hunters team, and he wasn't able to come. And he said to me, oh, you know, I'm a, I'm a real believer. He said, uh, I've had a lot of things happen in my family. So I would love to come next time you do one. And I said, well, like what? Well, his mother had, like I said, recently passed away, okay? And he said, two months before his mother died, she said she was sleeping, and she woke up and saw her mother at the foot of her bed. And her mother said to her, you're going to be okay. Everything's going to be okay. And he said to his mother, Mom, um, is it possible that you were, you know, dreaming this? And his mother said, no, you don't understand. I was sleeping, she said, and white light woke me up. She said, so I opened my eyes to see my mother at the foot of the bed. And so I know, so I know I wasn't dreaming. And then after she said everything's going to be okay, she just, she dissipated. And what, and one of the things that he asked me, he said, now, she told my mother that everything was going to be okay. But my mother ended up passing away two months later. You know, how do you, you know what I mean? So yeah. how, do, how do you explain that? And I said to him, because she is okay. She is uh, okay, you know? Yeah. She, she might not be here in the physical, but she's still okay, you know, either way. You know, he went and he You're went, oh. Comforting. That's, yeah. that's, that's comforting. And he told me another story. He said one night he had a vivid dream and he said he saw his uncle and he, he was very close to his uncle and his uncle always wore this leather jacket. And he said his uncle was on a boat and he was, he looked like he was in the midst of fog, you know, and his uncle looked over at him, said goodbye, said he had to go. And that was it. He looked, he looked happy and everything. The next morning, he wakes up. The phone rings. His mother calls, telling him that his uncle, her brother, had passed away. So, and, and you know, these are, uh, you know, very, very common. And, and I found it interesting that he saw his uncle with mist and fog. Because when I saw Rich, that's how I saw it. It was almost like it, it, it 
I don't know how to explain it, but I'm looking up at him and, and I can't see him clearly. I can see this mist and this fog. Um, very often when people talk about seeing people on the other side, they talk about mist and fog. And there mm-hmm. are experts out there, you know, uh, they explain it by saying, well, that's because the energy isn't strong enough. So they appear as mist or an orb. But I don't, I don't know if I believe that because I did see Rich, you know, fully. Yeah. I did see him fully, but I also saw the mist and the fog. So I, I don't believe it's because the energy is not strong enough. I don't know, maybe in some cases, but definitely not in the case with Rich. Well, I, I would say believe in the mist and the fog. Gary's got a ghost story to tell, and his is the most recent. Mine okay. goes back like 50 years, but his story is actually pretty recent. And there is some of that involved in, in the story he wanted to tell today. This happened sometime within the past few years anyway. I was sound asleep, dreaming one night, and Suzanne was with me, the other half of the mattress there, and I was, all of a sudden, I don't know what got it started, but at one point, I had the feeling, and I mean, I felt this, a female figure, I couldn't identify who, didn't see a face, but there was a definite female presence embraced me by i was sleeping on my side and i felt in my dream that this female presence was hugging me by laying on top of me like covering my shoulder the length of my body just laying on top of me as if to hug me and i woke up with a start hair was standing on my arms heripilation i believe they call that yes Mm -hmm. a hair raising experience i was in a cold sweat there and Suzanne stirred, and I said to her, I get the feeling that we're not alone. It's just, look at the the hair standing up on my arms, and here I am in a cold sweat. I just just feel like we're not alone. And I explained what I just said there to Suzanne, and then much to my surprise, she had her own take on that experience. When he stirred, I woke up. And when I woke up, I saw a big, dark mist over Gary's body that I was looking at. And so I saw the thing that he was feeling. And I I thought initially it was just that my eyes weren't focused because it was dark in the room, Mm -hmm, mm -hmm. you know, with very little light coming in from the streetlight outside. But, you know, as I blinked several times, it wasn't that my eyes weren't focused. There was actually a, a dark uh, uh, mist over him. It, it, I don't, I can't say it was white because of the darkness of the room. I don't know what what color it was, but there was something that was dense that was over his body. And I told him immediately. I said, "There's, there was something dense over your body." And then it also just went away. Did you sense anything? negative at that point was it no no nothing at all it was very loving energy there was a feeling of intimacy they're really being embraced a feeling of love and from whom i don't know god bless you whoever you were whoever you are but i was not threatened at all that's a key point it is a key point i didn't feel threatened but i was shocked because i never had an experience like that before and so i was shocked out of sleep there and 
I hope that the spirit that visited me does, doesn't consider me rude for having done so. Or I just wasn't prepared. <laughs> no. I think that's what I have to say about that. But am I glad for the experience? Absolutely. It's one that, more reminder that there's more to life than this physical life we have right here and now in these bodies of ours. No, I, I asked if you picked up any negativity for a reason, because many people assume because it's a dark mist, it's a negative energy, but that's not true. You know, right. it doesn't matter. It could be a white mist, a dark mist, you know, black mist, gray. And it doesn't mean that it's negative in any way. It's just uh, the level of energy that's coming through. It's the same thing with an orb. You know, sometimes you mm -hmm. see an orb and it's white. And other times you see different colors. It, it's just the, the level of energy. That's all it is. It has nothing to do with negative or positive. Excellent. Excellent. We were we were talking on the break about one more story that you wanted to be sure that you talked about today. And <laughs> We've got I think time. this is a good time. Go okay. All right. But uh, well, one of the stories that I wanted to tell, one of my favorites, is by a man named Mike Olson. Uh, he was undergoing a, a, a double lung transplant, right? So the doctor that was doing the surgery had... Um, did something wrong. He accidentally released a clamp too early. And when he did that, he caused the patient to bleed out. And what he said was, he suddenly realized that he was above his body. And then he sees a bright white light. And he said his body or his spirit, rather, his spirit went towards this white light. And guess who he meets? He meets the actual man who donated the lungs. He meets the oh, actual wow. is he, yeah. He meets the actual donor and another figure that he called God or supreme being, whatever you want to call it. And he said he was given the opportunity to actually thank the man who was giving him his lens. And once he was once he agreed to take the second chance at life, he was sent back to his body. Now, that's a first. I mean, I've never uh, heard of anyone flatlining, having a near-death experience, and actually thanking the person who donated their organs. It's pretty pretty remarkable. I have never heard that either. That is a truly unique story. Now, that's what should be turned into a movie. <laughs> you know, you want, the writers are working again. <laughs> Strikes yeah. over. Get on that one. I think that would just be a fascinating story to tell. And you hear about these, and every one of them has something unique about them. But I love to hear these stories. And there are so many of them. There's so many. And like I said before, it doesn't matter where I go or what, you know who I talk to. I remember one time I was in physical therapy. And I'm sitting at a table, and there's this woman sitting next to me. And she asked me what I did for a living. And I told her I was an author and what I wrote about, you know. And she looked at me and she said, oh, oh, well, I, I have a story for you. And I said, what? And she said, one night she had a vivid dream of her deceased mother. And her mother in the dream said to her, get up, go check on the baby. Get up, go check on the baby. So she said she woke up. And ran into her daughter's room. The baby was just an infant. She ended up having a very high fever. 
And, uh, you know, so how, how do you make up these things? You know, she has a dream. This is, that's what I call a validated message. She has a dream of her mother. In the dream, her mother tells her to get up and go check on her daughter. She gets up, she does that. And when she goes into the room, she finds that the daughter has a very high fever. So the mother was, you know, trying to warn her and save her granddaughter. Pretty amazing. You know, I, these stories never cease to amaze me. And, and there's you, so many of them. Uh, yeah. And apparently, Josie, with your uh, Facebook groups and and your website, you are really collecting a lot of stories. I would think that even though you you have a, a day-to-day life, you, you have, you know, home and, and children and husband and, and things going on, that this would really be a, a source of joy for you to hear all of these stories, that this would affect you in that way. Do, do you think that fundamentally you have been put on this path to experience this type of happiness in your life? Uh, I know that I've been put on this path. I am. I know that I've mentioned the story uh, to you guys before, but I've been told many times that I've been led to do what I do. And I think uh, a testament to that was a, a radio show that I did in New York after uh, Visits from Heaven came out and Visits to Heaven, which is about near-death experiences, was about to come out. And I had said to my husband, I was waiting to be picked up to go to the radio show. And I mentioned to my husband, oh, I wonder why I haven't heard, quote unquote, heard from Rich. Because my reasoning was, if he came to me and he set me on this path, I published a book. Now I'm publishing another book. Well, obviously, he must see what's going on. You know, how come I haven't heard from him? Those are my thoughts. And it was a simple comment, guys. And I go... I, I leave home, I get over to the studio, I'm in like this common area, we're waiting for the producer to call us into the show, and there's a 17-year-old psychic medium standing there. And he looks over at me and he says, hey, uh, Josie, he said, uh, I have a gentleman here for you. So I'm like looking behind me, I'm like, oh, where's, where's this gentleman? And he says, no, 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 no. He says, in spirit. So I said, oh. And then he starts describing him. He's tall, he's dark. And I said, I said, oh my God, I said, rich. And he looked at me and he said, yes, it's rich. And he said to tell you that you've been led to do what you do and that you were also led to AOE, AOE, the Association for Research and Enlightenment, who published Visits from Heaven. Oh, and by the way, Josie, he said, the book that you're waiting to come out, it's not coming out when you think it's coming out. It's coming out two months late. And I was standing there, guys. I'm like, what? And then all, and then we got called into the studio to do the show. And I never got to finish the conversation with this kid. And I never got to finish the conversation. Well, two weeks later, I get a phone call from Ellie. And she says, oh, Josie, the book isn't coming out in December. The book is coming out in February. <laughs> so it was a... Uh, a validation of what he told me. So I, I've been told many times that I've been led to do what I do, and I I definitely believe it. Uh, is it hard? Yes, it's very hard, uh, but it's also a blessing. And when I say it's hard, like how do I explain to a mother who just lost her daughter 
you know, when they say to me, well, you know, why haven't I heard from my daughter or and stuff like that? You know, I can bring people comfort and, you know, like I said, I'm blessed to do what I do, but I can't bring their loved ones back in the physical. You know, the best, the best thing I can do is let them know that life is eternal and that they will see their loved ones again. So yes, I, I, it is a blessing, Suzanne. It's hard sometimes, but yes, it is a blessing. Yeah, it, I can see that it's a two-sided coin that, you know, there is a, just as much sadness as there is joy in in doing that work. Mm-hmm. But I'm glad that you do that. The stories are interesting and you're like a magnet for these stories. So people keep sharing what it is that has been happening with them and and confirming and validating repeatedly about the life eternal. And I guess that's, you know, one of the reasons we like to talk to you and and other people who work in this area, because, you know, we think in, in our Western thinking that, you know, when it's over, it's over, but it isn't really. No, and it's we, not. Yeah, it's not. Uh, you know, uh, there's a, a gentleman named David Searles. He's a, a biologist, and uh, he one of my favorite quotes by him, he said, seeing death as the end of life is like seeing the horizon as the end of the ocean. When you look out and you see the horizon, right? right. It looks, it, it might look like the end because, right. we, because our eyes can't see past that horizon. Right. Yeah. But it really isn't the end. You know, the, 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 the ocean goes far past that horizon. And right. it's, the, it's the same thing with life. It's the same thing with death. Okay, when we die, we can't see. Well, you know, I can't say that because I did see. <laughs> I did see. <laughs> you know, but, you know, there, there is something uh, besides death, you know. Um I, I don't know how else to uh, explain it, but, uh, you know, we are and we always will be is is how I'd like to explain it. I definitely vote in favor of that idea. I mean, could I live with and I've, I've said this before, Suzanne and I will talk about this mm-hmm. pretty often, really. If the worst thing that happens is that we cease to exist, I could accept that. I'm not going to know I'm dead. Right. Do I prefer to go on living? Yes, absolutely. I'm a fan of reincarnation if I'm pretty smart about choosing my next one. (laughs) That's important. And of course, we have guidance, so I'm told. But if the worst thing I can say about life is that it ends and with that cessation of life, then we participated in sentient life and then we're heard from no more. But something tells me there's just a lot more to it. And beyond that, Josie, there are relationships to be continued and possibly to be worked out. There are people who have passed on with whom I had differences going back many, many years there, and they're no longer in the body. I would like to think that reconciliation is possible, mutual healing and forgiveness. So for that to happen would be a beautiful thing, but for that to happen, you have to be there in that spiritual dimension of life, also known as the other side. I hope it's that way. I haven't I, reached the point where I can say it's proven to me, but I'm pretty optimistic. See, to me, you know, you you use a key word, Gary, proven. You know, to to me, 
it is proven because I experienced it. You know, for us that have had these experiences, we, we don't need quote unquote proof because we've experienced it. We know it's real. And a lot of these scientists say, well, you know, uh, it's just based on blind faith. But you know, it, it, it really, because blind faith is not supported by reason. Blind faith is not supported by evidence, right? But there's more proof in the afterlife than there is against it. Okay. We might not be able to prove it according to science, but we can't disprove it either. But I can tell you as someone who has had the experience, I have no doubt, no doubt whatsoever in the afterlife. No doubt. I like that. I like that. Well, that's she's, great. she's confirmed. Confirmed. That's right. And, and you, you express it affirmatively. Like this is with the gathering of the evidence and your testimonials and the people who have spoken to you. Something is going going on there, either a mass delusion, or there's a part of the greater expanse of life, perhaps the eternality of life that we just aren't capable of understanding in our limited human condition. Yeah, because people say, oh, well, you know, you uh, uh, people believe in the afterlife, or they want to believe in the afterlife because of fear. But that doesn't apply to me. I was never afraid to die. I'm afraid of how I'm going to die. Okay, <laughs> but right. I, I'm not af afraid of dying. And I didn't go into this because I have any kind of fear. I went into this because somebody who is deceased came to me with a message with his wife for his wife that was then validated, which led me, which set me on this course to prove, you know, to investigate really the afterlife. So that doesn't uh, uh, apply to me. You know, I am. I think it's uh, a known beyond known is how I like to, to describe it. To me, it's a known beyond known. I don't, I don't need any more proof. I've already had it. <laughs> and I, I hope that uh, the stories that I present in my books and the information that I present in my books, I really hope that it brings comfort to the people out there. Of that, I have no doubt whatsoever. Josie Varga, thank you so much for joining us again. Can't wait till next yeah. time. All right. Thank you, guys. All right. We hope you, every, everybody listening here, we hope you got something out of this. Hope you have a great week ahead that you take hope and encouragement because it's good to be hopeful and encouraged. And we'll do this again next weekend. Absolutely will. Have a great weekend and a great week ahead, everybody. Here's what's coming up next week on Manson Mitchell. On Friday, Manson Mitchell welcomed Dr. Adrian Finkelstein, who has something to say about superstitions like Friday the 13th, and even more to say about the importance of doing our inner work. On Saturday, Karen Dahlman joins us for an hour of metaphysical Q&A. One question is, how do you find a dependable source of guidance in your life? bringing you mastery and mystery since 2007. We are Manson Mitchell, Friday and Saturday mornings at 10 on Alternative Talk AM 1150.